Welcome to the Jackie Service Show. I'm Jackie Service, where we are talking all things people strategy, entrepreneurship, and how hiring the right humans will unlock the next phase of growth in your business. As a former corporate VP of HR, my life completely shifted when I learned I had a brain tumor. From this moment forward, I knew that there was more. I dove headfirst into healing, mindset work, and spirituality. And from this space, my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you confused about hiring? You're not alone. Majority of leaders struggle to figure out who they need, in what roles, and when, and how these people will have the greatest impact on the growth of their business. This is why we created People Strategy Sessions to do a deep dive into your business and help you build a clear roadmap on the talent you need to drive sustainable growth. We dive into your greater why, where you are today in your business, where you want to go in your business from a growth standpoint, and ultimately, who do you need to enable that growth overall? For more information, please send an email to Jackie at JackieService.com or feel free to reach out at JackieService across all platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. I have my friend Allison Caffrey here today, and we are going to dive deep into a lot of topics today. Allison, welcome to the show. Jackie, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We were talking offline. What we've realized we have in common, well, are a lot of things, but in particular, (laughs) what we both really love are plants and we're both plant people. And I realized when I was talking to Allison, I don't have a plant in my office. So immediate change as a result of our conversation, you've already given me value. I need to make sure I get some plants around me in my office. So upgrade number one, (laughs) upgrade number one. If that's all you needed to hear on this show, you're welcome. You can go along and get some plants for your office. And we feel like we've added some value. Oh, heck yeah. It'll immediately make your work life just brighter. It will. It will. Well, you are an operational genius, and I'm so excited to dive into multiple conversations. But before we get there, I always like to start with a couple questions that are just rapid fire for the audience to get to know you a little bit better. Love it. Awesome. Where were you born? Where are you from? Oh, I was born in Summers Point, New Jersey, and grew up just about an hour and 20 minutes west in West Upford, New Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia. Beautiful. And home now is? Home now is the Pocono Mountains, also in Pennsylvania. Um, but we retreated a little bit back to where the leaves and the trees are. <laughs> oh, you, I love the Poconos. We actually, my husband and I drove from Toronto to New York City and spent about about a week in the Poconos. And mm. as a part of our um, kind of post-wedding decompression, et cetera. And we loved it. So we can't wait to get back. It's super nice, especially this time of year. I think you underestimate the this area and the fall foliage. A lot of folks go to like the New England area and it's a huge destination. But honestly, Hudson Valley and, you know, this kind of eastern Pennsylvania area has a lot to offer in that as well. And it's probably a little bit less crowded. <laughs> 
Amazing. So we've talked about plants and foliage. We're really, we're really the, the through line is clear here of what our, where our heart is. I love it. Um, all right. I know you're an author, which we'll talk about as we go, but do you have a favorite book that you love to get in the hands of everybody? Something that you talk about or recommend? Yeah. You know, I think, um, 10 X is easier than two X. Um, I'm actually currently rereading it and reminded of how fantastic, absolutely fantastic it is. Um, I think operationally speaking too, it's probably one of the most elegant ways to assess what are the things I'm doing in my business and what do I need to move forward with? And it's definitely one of those two that you can revisit multiple times. Like I think this is my third time um, reading this book mm. and it's even presenting more through lines for me in the stage of my business that I'm in now and even the stage of motherhood, right? Like we were talking before we jumped on here too, Jackie, about saying no to more things. And I think 10X is easier than 2X and that really elegant framework from Dan Sullivan really gives you the opportunity to say, Hey, listen, in order to achieve great things, I have to say no to more things than I say yes to. I love that. And it's so true. Cause if you think about the 10 X version, you know, let's, let's use some simple math here to go from 1 million to 2 million is one thing, but, and the decision-making might be so small in which you're making the changes to actually get to 2 million, but to go to, to go from one to 10, you have fundamentally have to think differently. Mm-hmm. And who you surround yourself operationally and with people, which is both of our jams, you know, it's different. And I love that methodology. And it's, it's a book I have read. It's on my bookshelf and you're, you're bringing it back to life. It's something I want to pull out again. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so elegant. I love very simple things that can kind of carry into all of your decisions, right? Cause I think when we read and digest something, it becomes challenging to implement thing. I think a lot of us are smart and we know we should quote unquote, be doing lots mm-hmm. of things, but it's hard to, when we digest all of this incredible information, like what is the one thing we could take into our habits tomorrow? Like putting a plant in our office, right? Like what's the one thing that through line that's going to be, okay, what is the 10 X option here versus the two X option. Does that make sense? hundred percent. I love it. I love it. All right. Last one on the rapid fire, a mentor who has been profound in your life and has helped you get to where you are today. Yeah. So I have to shout out my amazing friend, Marcel Pedapa. Uh, Marcel and I came up together in the kind of agency service space. He focuses a lot on data and financials. And I focus a lot on obviously operations. And um, one of the most incredible moments in probably my professional career, um, besides becoming a mom, of course, I think that bled into how I lead and how I run Mm -hmm. my business so profoundly that I was fundamentally different. But another incredible, incredible milestone was when my, my friend Marcel, at the end of last year, he uh, he gave me a call and he was like, hey, listen, I don't understand why you don't have this, this huge company and that you don't have this authority by now. And it wasn't mean. It wasn't um, critical. It was calling me into the arena. He was like, you need to be more. You're being called to be more and you have the capacity and ability to do more and be more. And I remember thinking like, holy cow, first of all, the gift of time, like him Mm -hmm. carving time out of running his business, being with his family and doing his thing to tell me that. And um, it really just changed the trajectory for me. I said, okay, how can I 
answer this call? How can I move forward? Um, and I've put other coaches and other mentors in place, uh, you know, over the last year or so to make sure that that's the case. You and I both work with Dan Martell, an incredibly impactful community, incredibly impactful mentor. Um, but it all started from Marcel calling me into the arena and saying, Hey, you, uh, you need to do this and you need, you need to figure out how you can grow and how you can serve more people because what you do is great. And I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate that to this day. Mm, I love that. I love that. To have people in your life that are going to call you into the arena and call you out on your BS is one of the greatest gifts you could ever have. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. So impactful. So impactful. Okay. I love that. We have some context into where you're from, favorite books, what you're up to now, sorry, what, who your mentors were to get you to where you are now. There's the through line. What are you up to? Like, what is a little bit more of your story into what you're doing today and how you got here? Yeah. So awesome question. I always kind of considered myself an accidental entrepreneur. You Mm. listen to these podcasts and you hear all these stories of, you know, folks starting businesses, lemonade stands and whatnot when they're 10 years old and growing through leading my business over the last six years. So I've been in operations strategy (laughs) for six years, which is crazy to even admit out loud because it feels like it's been a lifetime and it also feels like it's been a couple of days, right? It just passes so, so quickly in that, in that way. But, um, I say I accidentally started my business because, um, you know, I didn't always have dreams of being an entrepreneur. I don't come from an entrepreneurial family and it was really never an option on the docket. I was never in a position where, you know, my parents ever positioned this as an option for me. And I think just like a lot of others, I graduated from college and I was like, what do I do? So I answered the call of an executive assistant position. And within two years at that company, I was their operations manager and we had grown it from basically nothing in revenue to an eight-figure business. And I remember thinking to myself, like, something something I'm doing is okay here. (laughs) Like, something I'm doing is working. And um, I remember in the position of being in operations at that company, my husband was in the military at the time, and he had gotten an opportunity to go and move to another base and join this, you know, other, uh, you know, elite force of, of guys. And I was like, okay, we have to do this. It's an incredible opportunity for your career. And I'm going to have to give my two weeks at this business. And I don't really know what to do. So I gave my two weeks and the founder said to me, can you provide a 90 day transition period instead? Because he was like, I don't really know like what we're going to do. And so I obliged, of course. And I was like, of course, like, of course I'll do this. I don't want to leave you in the lurch. And in 90 days, I restructured their entire operations function at the business so that they could scale past, you know, where they were at the time. And within 30 days, I had a book of business. So after I'd left that Mm -hmm. company, there were so many people who were like, can you do for me what you did for that guy? And at the time that I sent my first invoice, I was actually studying for the LSATs. I was going to go back to school. I was going to go to law school. I was like, I love contract law. I have an English degree. I love reading. I love writing. And um, I was like, this is my path. This is what I'm going to do. I was meant to do this for a little while. And now I'm going to go to law school. And um, that opportunity (laughs) completely started Mm -hmm. to die off by the wayside. As I started helping people and getting results for them really, really quickly, I was like, wow, amazing. How like, powerful, clear operations are, especially as you're growing a team. And I'm sure like you have a ton of opinion here too, Jackie, like 
it's just critical, right? You need to make sure that you're setting a good foundation to welcome good folks into, you know, almost a home, right? If you have a faulty foundation or walls that are falling down, people are going to come and take one look around and they're going to jet. Absolutely are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remembered in the very beginning, like getting some really cool wins. And I was like, I, I could do this for a little while. And then within the first year, I was hiring on my very first team member and incorporating operations agency. And then the rest is history, honestly. <laughs> I love this so much. I also love the accidental through line of, Hey, I, I started at this company. It went from nothing to eight figures. And I was like, huh, heck, maybe I'm doing something here that's actually supporting. So in operations agency, what specifically are you doing today? Like when you go in and work with a client, what are you supporting them with? We're either defining or refining their operations function at the business. It's one or the other, right? You've either bootstrapped it to a point with no like clarity on your SOPs or on how you manage projects or any of that stuff, or you've done it for a little while and it's not quite delivering the results that you have. You still got a lot of fires behind the scenes and we need to come in and kind of refresh that, right? So those are the, the basic two things that I do when I support clients. That's really helpful. Okay. And um, we had talked a lot about how you know, when you think about growing and scaling businesses, there's a couple of levers that you can pull, right? I would say you own one of them. I probably own one of them. <laughs> and then there's a couple other ones that are not on the podcast with us today. But let's talk about the difference between growing and scaling companies from your angle. When do we need to really operationalize things over maybe hiring a new person? And then I'll throw in some ideas around where I see us hire people and we don't operate operationalize them fully. And therefore we're not thinking about the development and retention of that person itself. Totally. So I think there's basically two points where operations and people kind of hit that really nice, like, um, I, I, I don't want to call it a friction point, but they like touch mm -hmm. right in really meaningful ways. And they could be friction points or they could be incredible opportunities in the relationship with a human being, right? A component coming into the business. So the first is when you originally create a job description for a brand new person, right? I think that is Opportunity number one, because before we pressed record, we were talking about this just briefly. I think a lot of folks think I have an operational problem in the business. I'm going to solve it with a person. I'm just going to mm -hmm. tell them, you figure this out, you create the systems, you know, what have you. And there is a prerequisite that I really recommend founders have in place that they have at least some baseline operational systems in place for a new person coming in so that they don't have to start from complete scratch on everything, right? Even if it's just a handful of onboarding documents, acclimating them to the types of products or services that are being sold, the team that they're working with, and some of the core things that they need to do, right? And how to do them, that will be leaps and bounds better than even a lot of folks that I've personally worked with who have somebody in place. And then they're like, oh yeah, we've never done key performance indicators for them. And I'm like, oh, that stinks because that person is constantly reinventing the wheel and guessing what you're expecting from them. So that's like friction point slash opportunity number one. The second is when you're up-leveling them. So for example, if you have a project, a person who's in projects, let's say they're building websites, for example, and they're the best web builder that you have. They're amazing at following process. They're incredible quality. Their turnaround time is fantastic. They're constantly meeting that intersection between quality and cost. So you think because of their growth trajectory that they see for themselves, you're like, let's make this person a manager, right? Fundamentally, two different skill sets. Fundamentally, we need to create a path for that person operationally to say, hey, listen, I know you were making websites in this current role, but now since you're going to be managing web builders, here are the assets operationally that you need to manage 
other people below you. And so those are by far the two biggest places I see people really crushing it sometimes. Like I think when they really, really think about what they need to give a person when they bring them in and then when they up-level them, then that's where you see the relationship go great. And then people start asking the question, like, where can I find myself an Allison or where can I find myself a Jackie, right? They ask those questions, but really it's the person is amazing and we've given them what we need to in order for them to be really successful. Oh, you're speaking my love language. I'm like so <laughs> leaning in. You know, I talk about it in a lot of ways. Like if I if I tap kind of double click on number one there where you were talking about mm-hmm. thinking about the job description before we hire people, one of my core um messages that I give to founders day in and day out is how we can be more proactive in thinking about people planning and mapping out our our people plans versus reactive when we feel the pain. I see mm-hmm. so often that it's in the pain of the business that we are quick to hire and therefore don't get our foundations right and make these one-off trade-off decisions. And listen, they might be a great human and yet we haven't we haven't clarified yet exactly why this role is needed in the business. So I'm a big proponent from an org structure standpoint about boxes before people. Mm-hmm. So how do we actually build the org structure to define the skills and roles we need to unlock the future sustainability of the business or the future success of the business. And then we go find the person that has the qualifications, skill sets, leadership, et cetera, that can actually fill in that space within the org chart. And specifically in small business, I see it reversed a lot. So Mm -hmm. we get the person in the door and then to double click on your second point, we then put our hands up and go, now what? Mm-hmm. We've hired this person and I don't necessarily know how to measure them from a KPI standpoint, set expectations clearly. Um, maybe they've been a really solid individual contributor and now I'm moving them into management position. That is a massive transition in anybody's life when you go totally. from doing the work to leading the people who do the work. And if we can't think about what that looks like from a framework standpoint, then we risk this whole, this whole mindset that I break down was really how do we attract, develop, and retain great talent. So my, my focus and what I do on a day-to-day is really around the attract and select. But then if we're not thinking about developing and retaining that talent, think about the, the cost of the business, the time loss, the cost of, of what we've put that person through because we haven't allowed them to be set up for success either. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you're speaking a love language that I, that I also have. <laughs> And I'm so curious for you, when you go into businesses and they are struggling with having clarity of roles and responsibilities or setting KPIs, where do you start? How do you navigate like where to start? Because operations is its own broad beast. And I'm so curious how you approach it from a leadership mindset. Yeah. So I always start with the why, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of folks think that they should be doing things and you can consider, let's just say like a small business, five or 10 people, right? They're growing, they got some traction and they've got a couple of salary, maybe a couple of contracted, right? And a lot of times what ends up happening is as a business grows, the education, the resources that we have through a quick Google search or in other communities is that we should have an org chart that looks like this if we have this model, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will put those boxes on the org chart before they've answered the question, why? 
Why does this role exist? What specific initiative is it supporting? And what are the core functions of the role, operationally speaking, right? And I think for the most part, what we start to ask ourselves is why are we doing this? Who is involved, right? So who does this specifically live with? If the answer is, I don't know, and the answer to why is, I also don't know, then typically I recommend, well, let's just ax it, right? I think a lot of folks are scared to, kind of back to the 10x um, is, is easier than 2x conversation, a lot of folks are scared to ax things from their business. If they think that they need a project manager, it's hard for them to conceptualize why if they don't have a complex project management function in their business, that not every business needs a project manager. Even mm-hmm. EAs, like I know that our our mutual coach would probably <laughs> disagree with me here, but like I have had an EA one time in my professional career and administratively, I don't find keeping up with my email or scheduling my staff to be very cumbersome or overwhelming. I have some very clear systems and some automations in place around how we do that. And it doesn't really need a person unless I become multiple company portfolio manager down the line. And then eventually we need somebody to be helping me with that. But it just hasn't presented itself as a problem in the business yet where I need to answer the question of, well, why does Ali need this type of support? Okay, we're going to go ahead and staff this person. So I think it's interesting because I think we should always let our business tell us what it needs first. And that starts with operations, right? So if you think of operations as a collection of systems or habits that a business keeps in order for it to thrive and be healthy, right? That's how I think about it. So if for me, I'm starting to think, well, like what is the healthy habit of a, of a business, right? It's making sure that we appropriate our cash, right? Mm-hmm. Does that need a system or does that need a person? That's the question, right? And so like, that if is. it, needs both, right? If it needs a system and a person, what is the system handling and what is the person handling? And can we create a job description for what that person is handling and give them the resources, right? So I think if we just think of the business as an entity, that's kind of its own thing, then we can even start to talk about the roles that exist within it in a way that feels a little bit more collective. Cause a lot of people just think, well, the founder's at the helm. And that is true, right? The founder's at the helm. We need to be leading our people. We need to be leading our business and, and really being intentional about that. And also if we kind of lob our business off of us, right. And consider like, what is this thing and what's my role in it? Because it's actually been really helpful for me through seasons of growth in the business to consider that like my number one job right now is enrollment. Like in my, that is my job mm-hmm. and we need to fo- focus on, on defining those boxes, like you're saying, when somebody comes into the business or the business grows and our time becomes limited, then we start to consider, okay, now that we have this box in the org chart and maybe my name is in it, it's easy enough to start to replace that, um, easier than reinventing the wheel when things are filled with friction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so curious when you go in and work with leaders, how do you help them discern if it's a systems or a people problem? You know, we start to consider like, can a technology do this, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like question number one, right? So if this is a, you know, a people thing um, versus a, a system thing, we usually ask ourselves, can technology perform this function, right? Can we really easily set up an automation that takes somebody's data, let's just say, for example, and from a form and put it into our CRM or into the way that we manage our projects and set up, um, you know, our, our projects internally? That's something huge. And I think usually what I like to say is that like, it's, it's never usually one or the other, right? Entirely, mm-hmm. right? There are systems 
systems that support people. And there are people that support systems, right. From a Mm -hmm. maintenance perspective and all of that stuff. So we really need to understand, like, if you look at it kind of like a, you know, two circle, two circle Venn diagram, you consider that that is kind of the bottom half. And then when you throw the third circle in there to make the full Venn diagram, that's where your process comes in, right? Because your process tells your system how to perform. And your process also tells your people how to perform. So it's a really, really important component to have like all three of those understanding one another, because I think a lot of people think processes and systems are the same thing and they're not. Systems are pieces of technology that you leverage, giving it a certain set of rules, i.e. your process on how to do a specific thing. And it's the same thing you do with your people, right? You say, hey, listen, the system's going to do this. Now I need you to go in and quality check this and then bring it over the finish line and make sure that we have a solid relationship with our client, Mm -hmm. right? And here's how we do that. And I think folks miss like covering all three of those bases, especially when they bring a person in, right? They tell a person, hey, listen, you're the project manager. We don't know how we manage projects here and we don't have a system set up (laughs) for how we do that. And then they're basically given three jobs. They're given their core job, they're given process development job, which is an entirely different brain. And they're given a systems development job, which is an entirely different brain, probably from project management, right? So it's a it's a huge weight on our team's plates. I don't think we even understand the full breadth of sometimes when we bring somebody on. Yeah, I think that's really important for, for people to hear, um, to think through. You know, I hear a lot of the times from founders and leaders, you know, I don't even know what systems exist. Like I'm not close enough to understand what there even is out there that could enable it over a person. So a lot of people will go right to the person because if they hire the right person, then the person can come in to your point who has the expertise, quote unquote, in the systems place and bring in the systems that are going to enable or unlock the next phase. But to your point, now they're, now they're doing the systems and the process and their own core job. And that becomes really difficult from a leader standpoint to manage expectations, create KPIs, hold people accountable. And then from a human executing standpoint, how do you prioritize time? How do you prioritize where the effort goes? And that's when I have seen in my own experience, overwhelm, people walk out the door, people not feeling like they have the support that they need. And I go back again to like, what's the cost of that to a business? It's a lot. What's the cost of that? I mean, depending on scope, it can be, it can be substantially different, but the time invested, the amount of people that are invested in that person's, you know, hiring process, development process, having to refill that, that role. It's significant. It's a lot. And, you know, it also, depending on size of the business and complexity of the team, it could also affect decisions and throughput for months, right? Mm -hmm. Not just that immediate pain, you know, of having somebody who doesn't necessarily understand what they're doing or doesn't necessarily have the resources to be able to perform their role, right? Like those, those things carry into, again, depending on size, like months, if not years into the future. So it's, it, it is critical that this, this piece is figured. I think one of the most important reasons why operations, the function inside of the business needs to exist is first to tell people how to do things. And second is to tell them why 
we're doing them, right? Like really core, you know, reasoning behind, okay, we're serving clients in X way. And here is the reason why we're doing this and why this exists inside of the business. And the folks who are staffed in operations need to carry that into the other departments so Mm -hmm. that when a project manager needs to find a new system for how they're project managing operations, people say, Hey, I got you. I'm going to help you develop the systems piece. And then I need you to give me feedback on how this is going. Right. So that's like the only, additional job is that they're really like kind of the strategic piece of it. Right. And I think a lot that's missed quite a bit is that Mm -hmm. we think that people who do the job every day also have an operational eye and that isn't always the case. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to pick your brain on this, this assumption I have. So oftentimes when I'm talking to, let's call it a solopreneur or somebody who's like working on their own and thinking about who their first couple hires are, you know, a lot of the conversation that I'll have with this person is generally at that stage, they're the one doing all of it, right? So they're the ones selling the business, marketing the business, delivering the business, and they often have like a core service. So if you use me as an example, people strategy and recruitment is my bread and butter, not sales, not marketing, not ops, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but I was doing it all for a time period. And then I'm curious if I was to ask you the question, my second hire should be dot, 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 should I be focused on replacing myself in the delivery of the actual service or should I be focused on operationalizing the backbone of my business so I have stability when I think about my business as a, as a whole? So if you're moving from one to two, it's time, 100%, because that will give you, the founder, the bandwidth to get up above the business and just consider like, what is this thing going to look like in a year or two years or 10 years? I think when you start to consider you've got around let's just set, call it five, right? You've got like a tight team of five. You guys are probably wearing multiple hats. That's when it starts to get a little bit gray if we're not intentional around like whose responsibilities are which and at what point does this baton change hands? I am probably not like a lot of other operational type people that you <laughs> would talk with about this specific question because transparently, I think operations need to be simple because we don't need this challenging to maintain cumbersome, overwhelming operational presence in a small business. We need to make sure that the things that we're doing are there for a reason and defined. That's Mm -hmm. it. I think simplifying that a lot of folks have a lot of resistance, especially my creative founders. I mean, if I had a similar conversation operationally with the person that you kind of just you know, anecdotally described there, they would probably tell me like, I'm not a systems person. I'm not a process person. It's the same thing. Right. And I got into this to build websites or I got into this to serve people. And I didn't get into this to run a business. And the thing is, is that we ultimately need to own the success of our business. And so what we need to do is figure out like, how do I teach somebody else to replicate at least some of the administrative work that I'm doing to support my clients so I can stay a little bit more in the strategy and get up above the business and consider what kind of business do I want to build? What kind of impact do I want to make? And then you can lead from that place because, Mm. and all the operational pieces will fall into place, especially if you work with people who, you know, are like me where I can kind of see you know, what you're going to need in the growth trajectory of the business and how that might look. And I always call it like the operations blueprint, right? Like if we're going to build the dream house, like what needs to be true about the way that we set this up, right? So that you can make sure that you're building on something that feels strong, that has room to expand. That's exactly what you want. And, um, 
I think a lot of people, when they think about operations, they think the traditional like EOS model, for example, like I love EOS. I really do. I think it's a fantastic model. I think they did a fantastic job putting it together. There's a ton of resources for business owners that didn't previously exist before. And it takes a really long time to implement that. And it also is really cumbersome to maintain. So I've seen so many founders who are like, I love EOS. It's going to solve all my problems. And then they give it to somebody else because they don't really want to follow it because it's a lot of work. And then they expect somebody else to do it. And then it's kind of wishy-washy around whether or not it's actually a priority. And I just don't like that. I, I think that if we are in a position where we run a business and we're trying to fundamentally change the way that we serve somebody or you know the way that a product is developed or whatever, we should also be able to rewrite the rules on how our company operates, right? Like it doesn't need to be this like very strict in the box experience. I love that. Thank you for sharing. I, I was just curious to see how you would approach that conversation <laughs> as it's one that I get often and often is something that, you know, I think, I think every business is custom, right? Yes. There are standardizations we can look at, but when I'm looking and dissecting a business, it's like, I have to understand why you do what you do, what your current reality is, what the future is that you want. So therefore we can think about it if it's a systems process or people issue. Exactly. So I love that. I love, I love just hearing kind of you riff and navigate that question (laughs) with me, with me, because I get it often. (laughs) Okay. Another through line that you and I both have is we're both mothers I have seven-year-old twins. You have a three and a one-year-old and my husband's an entrepreneur. We both started our entrepreneurial journey right around the time we were starting family. And I know you're incredibly passionate about supporting parents and entrepreneurs in particular to have just really some support mechanisms when it comes to being in your business and being at home and how to build that all out. Talk to me a little bit more about why this is such a passion for you. Yeah. So my motherhood journey is a little different in the sense that I was running a business. I had three, I had three years under my belt in my business and my business still very much depended on me at that time. And I was doing operations strategy. I was rebuilding operations departments for growing firms. And when we had our son, I was, it was Wednesday night into Thursday. He was born at like 1245 in the morning on a Thursday morning. And we got moved into the room that we were going to be spending the night in. And my husband snaps this like lovely picture. The very first one of me and my son, my hair is like still crazy from birth. I was like very much excited that it is over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Being like, thank God it's done. Um, And the photo, he's like sleeping in my arms. And I, in the next frame, like put him over into the bassinet because I was like picking up my phone to answer Slack messages from our clients and from my team. And I remember thinking at first, I was like, this is, this is great. I'm so dedicated to my business and I have such freedom to be able to answer this stuff from anywhere. And in the back of my mind, I was like, this is not a badge of honor. This is you literally choosing your business over your family. Like this is the first opportunity you got. And this is a physical representation of your priorities. And I feel like I just kind of got smacked over the head by that transparently. Mm -hmm. There's just so few times in life where it really Mm -hmm. demonstrates for you so literally what is going on. And I was like, I can't. I can't let this be true. I can't let our relationship grow knowing that this is the foundation, right? Knowing that on Monday when I returned, so I think we were in the hospital for two nights 
So we were back on, um, back on a Saturday Mm -hmm. and then on Monday I was in meetings. I mean, at my house, which was excellent. Again, it's, it's a, it's a great thing being able to work from home and be a parent. And I see those lines blurred so often. So it was a really huge struggle for me. Um, at the time too, my husband was in the military. So we had the security of his salary, his benefits and all of that. But when I was three months postpartum with our son, everything was changing over to me being primary income provider operations agency providing the benefits. And it was like this big, gigantic Mm -hmm. leadership leap that at the time I felt really overwhelmed by. I was like resentful a little bit. I was like, man, why does this have to be so hard? And why is this just filled with anxiety? And I felt like nobody understood me at the time. And going through that process gave me not only the business that could support my family. It turned me into the leader who could run the business that supports my family. And I say it to this day, and I will say it probably into eternity, but if you are a business owning mom, whether it's your first kiddo, your second kiddo, whether you have twins and you're starting a business, this is the biggest leadership opportunity that exists in my, in my humble opinion, you need to be more things to your business. You need to be more things at home and you need to overall be less things to everybody. And it forces really this like rebirthing of you, right. As a human being. And I think a lot of moms, they white knuckle it through that experience, right. They're like, Oh, postpartum. It's very challenging. And a lot of women go through a lot of different things, but I've never seen a situation where, you know, someone has met a challenge head on and really went into it looking for the growth opportunity and didn't see that. Like, I really think if we can shift our perspective of entering motherhood and taking maternity leave as this thing, that's like a gigantic setback and it's going to be really challenging to what an opportunity it could be, right? You know, you train for a marathon, you train to summit Everest, you know, it's going to be hard, but when you're standing up there, imperfectly sweaty, like made it right. That's when we know, like, you know, we had the guts the whole time to do it. We just needed to call ourselves in. And so I think motherhood is so similar and that process of entering motherhood and business ownership, um, your business can evolve in amazing ways. My business grew. I had my Mm -hmm. son in August of 2020. It was like crazy. The world was nuts. It was Mm -hmm. nuts. Sure was. And my business had an incredible growth year. And then just 17 months later, I had our second son, Jack, and we had the second greatest growth year that we had seen in the business. And it really just started to lay this foundation of here's how I could grow this thing outside of me. Here's how I can make incredible impact doing things I really love doing. And I think that's the name of the game, right? If you want to grow a business that's super successful is really be in a position where you're doing things that A, come naturally to you, B, that you also are challenging yourself to develop new skills. So constantly kind of being in that, you know, wane and wax of, you know, kind of balancing those things. And I think motherhood is such a perfect, such a perfect breeding ground for something like that. What was it? Can you break it down to what it was about the specific things that changed within you that allowed you to have a business go through an incredible growth sprint while you were having babies. Like both times you're having babies, you're having these big growth spurts on your, in your business. What changed? 
I think it's a forcing function. So my book, The Sabbatical Method, I talk about this quite a bit. I'm like, you know, if you're forcing yourself out of the business, then your business needs to, in and of itself, be able to come sophisticated enough to be replacing you, right? Like that's just amazing. And I think our life is that way too, in some cases, right? Some of the things that don't really necessarily need to be in place, they kind of fall away. And having that forcing function of saying, hey, look, now I'm going from one to two, right? Or I'm going from two to three, and what I used to be able to do, the relationships I used to be able to keep, even honestly, like when we became parents, like Netflix and drinking were like immediately on the chopping block, which is amazing, mm. right? I mean, you spend all of the 20s and all the things like just doing whatever you feel like. And immediately we were like, huh, I feel like I can't be the best parent to my son if we stay up until 11 o'clock watching Netflix. So I guess we should just read and go to bed at 8.30. And like, that is an incredible, incredible opportunity for you. I mean, motherhood aside, right? If everybody decided that we were going to stop watching Netflix and just read books and go to bed at 8.30 and wake up at five, like maybe the whole entire yeah. world would be a better place, right? Mm -hmm. So I think those things specifically, so first and foremost, like assessing how I'm spending my time. And then I really started to consider, I was like, how do I consider I'm leaving my child? right? To go and work in my business. So the time I spend away from my son better be impactful. It better be the things that are actually moving the needle internally in my business and for my clients, right? Creating a better future for them. And I think moms don't see that that is an opportunity that they have, especially anybody listening who has expecting employees. Like if you support a mom through this transition and are like, we're going to give you a maternity leave and we're going to create some systems and some, you know, kind of training plans for some folks to take over your workload. And she feels really supported through that transition. She decides to come back to your business after she has her child. You best believe that woman is going to be enrolled in your vision. Like she's there, mm. she's ready to support. And I think having a mom on your side is like one of the most incredible things um, that could possibly exist. So it was a lot of like re-enrolling into the vision. Yeah. It was a lot of like reassessing time. And it was a lot of like, how can I make sure that this thing can thrive independently of me? Because I started okay. to see my business as a baby, right? I was like, if I'm doing my job well, as a parent, right? We don't want our kid to not understand how to tie their shoes when they go to college, right? So that means fundamentally I've failed as a parent. We do this to our business all the time, right? We like hamstring it in really weird ways because we it feels good for us to be needed in the business. Right. And the same is true at different points in parenthood. You're like, oh man, do they really need to like go walk to the bus stop by themselves? Like I really loved driving them to school or I'm going to cherish these times. And it feels really confronting as a parent because this thing is growing independently of you. And we need to start to consider that our business has very similar needs, right? We need to consider that if we're doing our job well, we are creating an asset that is turning into from a baby to a capable adolescent and from a capable adolescent into a thriving adult. Mm. Mic drop. I'm like, <laughs> there's so much truth to that and how much has changed. Uh, we were just talking about how I've been in a season of no. Right. I've just, I'm living through, I'm coming out the other end, maybe still in it, maybe one foot in one foot coming out, um, in the season of no. And it was very clear to me if it wasn't my babies, my business or my health, I was out. If it did not have something to do with one of those th three things in the last six to eight weeks, it was a no for me. And the simplification of my life with that as the filter being really clear about 
what it meant to have intentional time with my kids, being really clear about what it meant to have intentional time in the business, being really clear what it meant to have intentional time in my health made the filter so simple and being able to say no to more things has freed up capacity, has freed up mind space, has freed up creativity, has allowed me, I'm, I'm such a grandma. I'm a, I'm a tea and a book and a bed girl by nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. And even that process of getting more sleep and taking care of myself holistically has allowed me to be a better mother, show up in a different way energetically and show up differently for my business. So all three of those things are interconnected in so many different ways. I'm sure you can see the through lines yourself. And yet it's just interesting as I'm coming out the other side of this, what I called my hibernation period, it's felt like a reset, like a recharge, like a clarity of priorities. And I'm not saying other things are coming back in yet, but when I do, I'm going to be really intentional about choosing them because I know what has felt like to be, to live in a more simplified way Mm. and not do it because I think I should Mm -hmm. or to appease. And what I found really impactful is, uh, I have people pleasing tendencies. So my mind very quickly went to like, Oh, they'll be upset if I don't come to this party or go to this dinner or do this thing. And what I actually found in return is when you have clarity and you explain fully what your intentionality is behind why you're making these decisions, the amount of people that come on board and support you is incredible. Mm-hmm. We could have a whole episode just on this. Yes, 100%. (laughs) Allison, gosh, you have so many cool things coming up. I know you have um, something that we're launching here in December. Talk to us more about how we can work with you both on the operational side and in this world of women and or parents having babies. I'd love to hear more. Yeah, totally. So I am most active on Instagram. Uh, You can follow me over at, at Ali Caffrey. And you'll see all the things. Um, if you if something resonated with you, I'd love to hear what that was and what specifically um, you are going to probably take into your life, Jackie. I hope I see a DM later that says plants, please, in my office. I'm going to um, take some pics. Yeah, that's definitely coming up. <laughs> but yeah, that's the best place that I share about all the fun things I'm working on: systems for parents, system for for businesses, and um, maternity leave planning. It's something that I'm really intentionally moving into um, more formally, um, you know, in the coming year, and you know worked with a lot of women one-on-one on this. And I'm just like, so excited about all things, you know, really grabbing new motherhood, you know, by, you know, whatever it is, you know, you want, right. Really taking, taking hold of that experience and making it something that can uplevel you in so many ways. I love it. We'll make sure everything's tagged in the show notes. So if you want to find Allison, please uh, check that out. You'll be able to have all of her links there. Allison, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. You are just such a breadth and depth of wisdom when it comes to how to really differentiate operations between systems and people. I think we need a 2.0 at some point in time, (laughs) but if you were listening to this and there was something specifically that resonated, let us know. We love to hear from you. Um, Both Ali and I would love to hear what it was. And if you still have questions, let us know as well, because we can, we can definitely answer those on a part two segment of the podcast. I'd love to come back, Jackie. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. And we will see you again on the Jackie Sower Show. Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, 
It would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful. Until next time, we'll see you again on The Jackie Service Show.